Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to talk about how Republicans complicate Aristotle's political animal talking point. And it's a little bit different because I do not pretend to be an expert on philosophy or philosophers. But, you know, we're going to try to tie some things together and understand one of Aristotle's famous quotes to the extent that I can possibly understand it. All right, so before I pay attention to that certain Aristotle quote, I'll ask a question, then try to tie it all together further down the line. The question is, have Republicans consistently done more to lower the level of discourse in this country? Hell yes, they have. That's all they do. In fact, at this point, one has to use the word discourse discourse quite loosely. But oddly enough, there are still conservatives who like to think of themselves as compassionate, free market people. They might even pretend they're on the same page as MLK at times. Of course, they will tend to recoil in horror at one talking point made by Martin Luther King. Remember, MLK had said, A true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. Well, how many Republicans are even going to say something like that unless it involves a conspiracy theory against one group they don't like who is hoarding the wealth? You know, that's more about identity politics than it is about a general condemnation of a greedy uh, system that we have. That aside, conservatives can actually still be decent people, at least on an individual level. Some of them probably have a nice, big, floppy-eared puppy at home that they kept from going to the shelter or, or stuff like that. You know, I'm not saying they're all maniacs on an individual level. However, they may fail to grasp some key facts about life, and what facts they do grasp are often whatever right-wing propagandists tell them to believe, and the conspiracy theories get loonier and loonier all the time. On that note, it's important to realize that Trump did not invent this situation. He just took advantage of it. He saw America's potentially crippling weaknesses and saw opportunities like any good con man. But he was largely just assembled parts out of what came before. Look at the political dynasty meets nepotism meets careerism angle, for example. On that front, you know, I hate to disappoint the Democrats out there, but the Clintons are actually relevant. You also have the Democratic Party clinging clinging to the usual suspects as they clung to Gore as an option in 2020 because Gore was VP. Then, obviously, they tried to make Hillary Clinton president in 2016, failing spectacularly. And when it comes to Biden, he was obviously an old-school U.S. politician who, despite running and failing in the past and even getting busted for plagiarism and lying about his academic credentials, still had lack of shame enough to run and just barely win against Trump in 2020. And yes, numbers-wise, Biden did just barely win, so don't bother fighting me on that. Then obviously you have the Republican side and its political dynasty stuff, 
and nepotism and careerism as well. The Bushes may be an unusual political animal, but they're American first, right? I know that back when W was president, Republicans were all about him being the greatest president ever, and if you didn't support the Iraq War, these same dipshits who now pretend Trump was good for supposedly being anti-war, which Trump wasn't, well, they were back then clamoring for war against anyone they considered Muslim. They wanted to jail every Muslim they could get their hands on, and they tried to be able to do it without any trials, evidence, or even formal charges. Now, ironically, those same sentiments, which used to be reserved solely for Muslims, have become the norm when it comes to their attitude toward Democrats. Lock them up, they'll say at at the Trump rally. That's why Trump rode the sentiments of Obama being supposedly foreign-born and a secret Muslim and various lies like that. And the QAnon lies about all Dems being satanic pedophiles really had their origins in a political culture that never placed any value on facts, statistics, truth, or even plausible anecdotes. Lies were fine so long as they get you what you wanted. Well, what you want is not always what you get. And now, at least in some cases, these lies are potentially coming back to haunt some key liars. Even though the Dems are totally dragging their feet when it comes to charging Trump and other Republicans with major crimes regarding January 6th and various coup strategies, it seems the Republicans have just done too much for the Democrats to be able to look the other way. There are just too many crimes too many times to the point where maybe a few non-foot soldier types might eventually be forced to pay the piper. And think about how these Republicans must justify and rationalize their lying. It's pretty fascinating, right? You know they feel they are above the people who stupidly show up and vote for them. Still, as the saying goes, if you lie down with dogs, you might get some fleas. The Republican political brand is as low and base as the people who vote for them, but they somehow were and are perfect Americans, we're supposed to believe. Well, I'm not buying it. And enough Americans didn't buy it that Trump indeed lost in 2020, and the red wave of the 2022 midterms looked more like a like an extremely stupid splash. To me, a lot of this really started with good old W. Sure, you could trace origins further back, and I think there's some validity to, to doing that, but I think people forget just what a clown show that W was including the mere fact that he was obviously lacking intellect, yet elevated to the highest position of power in the land. Sure, Democrats might sometimes select candidates who are robotic and boring as hell, like Al Gore and John Kerry, but they at least seem like they're smarter than the average town drunk. In contrast, as I often said back in the day, George W. Bush doesn't seem mentally fit to run a bowling league, let alone an entire country, and let alone the most powerful country in the world. But that's the power of political dynasty, nepotism, religious lunacy, and actually also racism. Yes, racism did seem to increase under W, as well as those precious pro-war sentiments. So Bush's stupidity was what kept the system laughably appearing 
in touch with the common man, even as it whipped the common man's ass into submission and greater stupidity. The Bushes are an example of the American phenomenon of taking old-fashioned, out-of-touch idealism and putting it out onto a minefield, which becomes more dangerous every year. Sure, maybe the country believes it moves like Fred Astaire on that minefield, but it's a potentially deadly dance. And why are, why are we dancing out there in the first place? You know, maybe we should have instead done the whiny liberal thing and spent more of that time, energy, and money on helping people here at home instead of just blowing shit up and killing people overseas. So, okay, here's where I'm going to get to the Aristotle angle of this episode, in case you're wondering, when is he finally going to mention Aristotle? All right. So maybe I'm awkwardly shoehorning him in. Still, I think all these things I mentioned above have some relevance to Aristotle. Increasingly, I think a lot of this stuff ultimately proves the anarchists basically right, and bigwig conventional philosophers like Aristotle wrong, at least regarding one classic quote or sentiment of his. And if I'm misinterpreting a quote, please feel free to let me know. You know, you can contact me about that. So the quote is often shortened to man is by nature a political animal. And th that's obviously a more catchy bumper sticker version of the quote, but the rest of the classic point is nevertheless important. So, so here's what Aristotle said in full con or a more full context. He said, it is evident that the state is a creation of nature and that man is by nature a political animal, and he who by nature and not by mere accident is without a state is either above humanity or below it. He is the tribeless, lawless, hearthless one whom Homer denounces. The outcast who is a lover of war, he may be compared to a bird which flies alone. So, of course, I have to take some issue with that uh, statement or sentiment. The state is not merely a creation of nature, even if we are including only human nature. But, of course, the effect of speculating on the nature of human nature is to bog the discussion down, because it's a bit of an infinite rabbit hole. And then you have to wonder what exactly he means by political. Does he mean that man makes decisions? Sure, people do that all the time, but do all decisions, including even all major decisions, necessitate a state as commonly understood or practiced? Probably not, as state governments can exist quite independently of whether they are legitimate or not, right? It seems that fact alone suggests that not all decisions can or must fall under any rigid strictures of statecraft. The fact that not all do or must, to me, suggests that perhaps not all should, even allowing for sake of any status arguments that perhaps some should. Also, you know, all that's required is people consistently make enough decisions that let a government stay in power and not enough to take certain key people and key positions out of the picture. None of this suggests that a government is inherent or even inherently necessary. And I know some strict status out there would shiver in their boots over that observation, but I nonetheless think it's accurate and objectively true. 
You know, I don't think it's just some sort of radical talking point or, or whatever. In fact, if you believe any government is inherently legitimate, then how is that less foolhardy than suggesting any given situation is legitimate just for existing? In fact, calling something legitimate merely because it happened seems to be awkwardly contradictory to the purpose of human organization anyway, which is to prevent certain outcomes and create others. Then there's the other part of Aristotle's quote, he who by nature and not by mere accident is without a state is either above humanity or below it. Well, okay, that sounds like he's artificially separating nature and mere accident, as if the two are mutually exclusive. And of course, they are not. It's also apparently yet another boring-ass premise wherein the state is somehow the highest imaginable point of humanity, when in reality it is really just a generic formal organization that uses grandiose ideology to promote and perpetuate itself until maybe it is overthrown by some similar ideology and leadership, or maybe naturally dissipates due to its own incompetence or irrelevance. Maybe you can't say governments are literally a dime a dozen, but I see why that sentiment could be attributed to governments, as it could be to anything else that is, that is or was common in history. What we can reasonably say is that governments and leaders are not nearly as godlike and infallible as they often want to be, and such claims are only common because of all the dimwits and dipshits out there who take the words of anti-intellectual charlatans and treat them as if they're the gospel truth. More to the point, though these positions of power often attract specifically those people who view themselves as being above the rest of humanity, and who by their very nature might just be below them, and can certainly drag humanity down even lower, and through the official channels of law, which makes these instances even more treacherous and hard to grapple with. In order to challenge totalitarianism, you must become a rebel, and you might even need to adopt some totalitarian traits yourself to create a uni united front against some perceived enemy. The leaders themselves and their most ardent followers often end up being the most tribalist, lawless, and hearthless as they act out of the naked interests of power, ideology, or naked greed, as in kleptocracy. Or maybe their loyalty is more to preserving positions of family advantage or nepotism, or some other systemic approach to creating a unique class of rulership that views itself as being above the common man. Of course, as I just said, they are not unique methods of rulership, but, you know, they, they see themselves that way. Governments often attract the apparent outcast who is, a, who is a lover of war and who elevates himself and the love of war above all other elements of statecraft. As in warlike partisan hacks who serve the military-industrial complex, as we call it these days. As for the other part about comparing non-status to a bird who flies alone, that is not necessarily true at all. Again, it's Aristotle's apparently boring-ass way of suggesting that togetherness itself only happens because of the state. Well, I hate to tell him this, especially since he's not even alive, 
but government itself attracts plenty of birds who fly alone or people who are only in it for themselves. And they even sometimes promote themselves in such a way, especially nowadays, you know, they're the maverick, they're the outsider candidate or what have you. And we have seen recently, there absolutely are people willing to tear the country apart for self-gain, and they'll do so by breaking out or by seeking out of positions, seeking out positions of power. Sorry, I messed up there speaking. Of course, it's also true that governments by no means have a true monopoly on the concept of reality or group cohesion. What they have is the tenacity and fundamental dishonesty to claim ownership over, over such ideas and such aspects of existence. But you know what? I'll be bold enough to say that just because some powerful organizations exist that try to straightjacket all of its citizens under one unifying ideology, it does not mean those groups are the sole creators and arbiters of all order and unity. So, all right, that was quite a mouthful. <laughs> I, I hope I made my points clear. And I will include a written version of this, in case you can't understand my scratchy voice. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good day.